Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by lines.com. It is Friday. Well, for us, it's Thursday. We're looking at this Friday slate in the NBA, though, with a bunch more games to choose from. The NBA is back with a vengeance here with a ton of stuff on Thursday and Friday. So we're going to be looking at some best bets in this video. Also going to have a play of props one up as we do each and every weekday. So go ahead and like and subscribe to that page and continue to follow along and head to the lines.com as well to make sure that you're getting everything we're putting up on the site right now, including that prop finder tool to make sure you have the best odds available to you from all these books that are giving us bets this season. Nate, I feel like we did pretty well here. I know we, I swept the best bets here on Thursday night. We know that, uh, but yeah, how, how did you do? And then let's get into your first best bets. Uh, well, got the magic for sure. Donnie oh, was yeah. scratched. So, uh, but I mean, either way, it seemed like they were going to cover yep. and yet to tip off with that Spurs Kings under, we'll see how that goes, but yeah, moving on to, to Friday here, and I will take the Suns to bounce back from a loss here in Dallas as they only have to go to Houston on the back-to-back. Houston will also be on a home back-to-back. Looks like they're going to lose handily to the Pelicans here. Um, but, you know, you know, watching this, I, at least KD is okay because that that is made basically the main source of my argument here is that KD is a monster on back-to-backs. He's just, like, unaffected. It's the whole, like, low-load frame on you know like he just doesn't take the same kind of impact that other people take because he's so freaking skinny that he's able to go the next night and he is throughout his career he has great numbers on back-to-back this year he's been carrying because Devin Booker has not brought it on back-to-backs but but KD is uh 31 points per game on nearly 71 nearly 70 percent true shooting and that is why the Suns are what seven and two on back-to-backs this year the Rockets are two and eight uh, including four straight losses while the Suns won three straight. And I mean, but, you know, it's like, what is their secret to success? The Suns is, you know, obviously the mid range, but it's also getting to the free throw line. And, and why is that huge on a back to back? It gives you a breather. It gives these stars an opportunity to get in the zone. And, and what we saw with KD is, is he does frequently. So they're, they're getting 32 free throws. Versus just like 24, which is still good on normal rest, but 32 free throws a game on these back-to-backs. And that's Houston's Achilles heel. They gave up the third most free throws per game here. I mean, Suns went into the break really hot, 14-4 and uh, at the end. The Rockets limped into the break. They were missing Fred Van Fleet, and, and now they have him back. But I, I don't think that that's like a total game changer here. Um, comparatively, I mean, the Suns might get Beal back after he sat the front end of the back-to-back. And really, I mean, let's just throw some respect at Dallas. Like, Dallas is about to be a freaking juggernaut now that they have legitimate defenders down there, that they have Kyrie and Luka picking it up. Like, that, that is a team – that is a buzzsaw they ran into right out of the break. And so I expect the Suns to turn around and, and handle a Rockets team that they, they beat in Houston in December. KD picked them apart. Rockets shot unsustainably well from deep. And uh, they just haven't been shooting well since then. Not at all, in fact from three uh, leading into this break. So uh, yeah, just give me the Suns by three. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to take that and I'm happy to actually just add the over to that as well at two twenty eight and a half. and a half. Everything that I'm seeing here definitely leans to the over pretty heavily actually. And it starts 
with exactly what you're talking about, the free throw line. For both of us, that is exactly what I think the most important statistic of this game is. The Suns have been attacking the rim and getting to the free throw line at the second highest rate over their last five, third highest over their last 10. So it's been pretty consistent recently. And then the Rockets are dead last in that, and they continue to be that. They've been a little bit better. I think they're fourth worst uh, in the, their last five. So slight improvement, but still fourth worst there with that opponent free throw rate. That That's huge for, for this over. It's a big reason why they went over in the last game that they played at Houston. Um, which is the last two games that they played actually were both at Houston and won this season. Uh, and then you, you also just look at the, the Houston at home stuff uh, as of late Houston with Fred Van Fleet, they play faster by about one possession more uh, per 100 with Fred in there. And he did miss a bunch of games before coming back. As we know, didn't really help them uh, obviously against the Pellies, as we mentioned, but the, the other part of, uh, of having Fred there is honestly just a lack of above the break defense as well. And, and Phoenix with KD and company are uh, Kings of that as well in terms of taking some uh, fast break above the big th- uh, above the, the break threes uh, and and just even in the half court as well playing at the number two pace uh, over about 104 in the last uh, five games for Phoenix and third highest over their last 10 as well so really continuing that they have dipped a smidge in the uh, offensive rating category there just a little bit worse than they have been on the season down to about 14th over their last five but that's just a, a really small sample size that I'm not as concerned with for them with some of the teams that they played in their last five like a couple really good Western Conference teams uh, that really kept the games to around 225 or so for them. Uh, but in this one, we're also talking about Houston on no rest. And even if they are at home on no rest this season, we're talking about games averaging about 235 for them, right? Uh, they've given up about a buck 22 in the games that they've played on uh, the second leg of those back-to-backs, scoring about 114 or so in that time frame as well. But I do think it's the Suns that are going to do a, a, the, the bulk of the scoring. If you wanted to stick to their team total as the way to go here, I think that's fine with such a small spread. It's not like it's out of control in any way. You can definitely lean on that uh, a bit more than Houston necessarily coming along for the ride. Uh, that would be the only thing that would scare me is like, is this, is, are they going to score another hundred and what they're probably on pace for about 105 to 110 right now against the Pelicans who have been really good on defense. We should specify as well. So I'm not too worried about that. We also talk about Houston on the road in this one back at home where they're a bit better on offense for the, the, the game that they'll, they'll play on Friday. So uh, I, I, I'm taking both of those bets, uh, you know, the, the over and I'm, I like them to win by three and a half and probably a little sprinkle on the parlay there. Yeah, I mean, the thing with FVV back is less Amon Thompson, right? And yeah. and he is a, a, a big plus on defense and, and, and pretty woeful trying to shoot the ball. So, I, I mean, that's definitely going to help your over. Yeah, play faster, get a guy out there who can organize the offense and score. And, yeah, with all these foul issues, like, is Dylan Brooks going to be out there guarding KD down the stretch? Like, he he's, he easily could foul out um, without, without question here. And, yeah, the one thing the Suns were giving up, like their defense has been great during this stretch, but they are still third in paint points allowed. It's it's Nurk, you know, not necessarily being consistent at all. And and Shangun, as we know, has been a monster at times. So that that could help Houston keep pace here because you know the Suns are gonna score. Um so I'll I'll go under here in Philly, uh, which would be an absolute smash. Like as soon as you can watch this and and bet it and hope Donovan Mitchell does not play on the second leg of a back-to-back here, because if the Cavs don't have Donnie, this isn't, this total is way too high at 229 and a half. Um, I mean, even with him, that that's not really their MO to, to, to play games in the two thirties. And maybe the Sixers price is still kind of baked in that, you know, they, they had a couple spike games. They had a spike game against Cleveland and, and maybe that's why this number is so high. But, like, if you look at every other game with the Sixers, except for when Maxie had 50, 
like they're going under like like a mother without Joel Embiid here. I mean, they're they're averaging 111. They're playing at a 96 and a half pace, under in five of the last seven, um, under in five of the last six back to backs, and seven of ten on the season by ten points per game. And how many of those back to backs are just you know Joel Embiid couldn't play? So like that's that's an obvious correlation right there. They are home dogs here for the sixth time all season. They've gone under by nine points per game in those there. And, and yeah, I mean, if Donnie's out, Cavs score three points per game less. They also play a little bit slower, 94 and a half pace. But let, let's just like that game, 123-121, we talked about it in the show a couple times. Like for some reason, we think the Sixers are going to cover. This is going to be like a random Kelly Oubre game where he just gets hot. And yeah, yeah, they have, I think, four guys around 20 points. And it's just not that kind of matchup for them in general. Like Buddy Heald does have good numbers against the Cavs. I mean, he just does what he does against everybody. He shoots 40% from three if you can get him open. But like Maxi and Tobias Harris have not had success against this Cavs team, which doesn't surprise me. Uh, they give up almost nothing at the rim. They, I mean, they're number one in field goal percentage, opponent paint points, number one defense, period. Uh, last, last 19, 14 unders in that stretch. Nine and four to the under as road faves. And yeah, I mean, Maxi, we've talked about it as well. 20 points worse is his offensive rating without Embiid. He just cannot carry this team to the same degree as a number one option, especially when you get the Cavs and Okoro. You know, especially if Donnie Min Mitchell is out, you get more Okoro, Okoro all over Maxi all day uh, at the point of attack. And then those two twin towers behind to, to clog things up behind them. Yeah, I'm, I'm with it. Um, such an anomaly. I was thinking, like, what if that's just going to be a thing now? <laughs> that this, like, Embiid-less 76ers team beats the Cavs for some reason? It's just really about Donnie Mitchell, though, for me. And, and I would say, you know, if if, if, the, if the way that the uh, the Knicks and, and 76ers game went here uh, on Thursday, it should definitely be an indication of what's going to be coming here for, for the 76ers team uh, as they await the return of their big man because they're, they're going to continue to struggle uh, scoring points. And it almost felt like for the Cavs, it was like such a, like, I think where your feeling was coming from in that one was like, the Cavs are not taking this seriously. Uh, they're going to underestimate this 76ers team. And it was such an anomaly. Max didn't even have a freaking good game. And they're going to score and, like you said, going off. So, yeah, I, I can't possibly just, like, see this becoming a trend because there was really no, you know, supporting evidence for why it was. It was just one of these freak things that happened. And uh, I wouldn't expect the pace to stay that way, especially without Donnie. But we'll see what happens with him. So, Yeah, and coming off a loss as well tonight. So they, they will certainly have their antennae up on the back-to-back. Yeah, hundred percent. That's that. I'm not gonna call it a bad loss by any means, but they're they're. I, it would have been great to have Donnie Mitchell for them in that one to come back and win their first game back, and we'll see what happens with that that Cavs team. They're gonna be interesting, but under would be a good way to sort of fade them, uh, continuing to do so right now. But let me uh, go to another under as well here, Nate, and finish with Milwaukee at Minnesota. It's two twenty four and a half. That's what I'm taking the under here for. And I can understand if you want to take Minnesota. I think a winning streak is coming for this Milwaukee team soon enough. Uh, they, you know, they've been, I think, about a you know ten to fifteen games above five hundred level team for the majority of the season through a, a short, you know, only fifty games or whatever at this point. Um, and, and that's you know, then they had this this losing streak. Uh, things get switched up, whatever. And now I think there is going to be some sort of regression back to you know, progression back to the mean, if you will, uh, for them at this point. So I'm not 
as comfortable taking the the Timberwolves, even though they're at home, that, that would be the play. Um, I'm just slightly more comfortable, honestly, with the under here because of the situation, uh, which is Milwaukee continuing to play a lot slower and definitely playing a lot more defense and a lot less offense. 111 offensive and defensive rating for this team over their last five and really their last 10 or so uh, for which Doc has been the coach for most of those. And, and that's, that's just a clear moment in time that things changed a bit for them. For Minnesota, we're now talking about the, you know, let's call them the best defensive team at home in their last 10, their defensive rating has actually jumped a bit and it's still the best in the league over their last 10, 106 defensive rating in that time frame. Uh, and, and we've just seen them continue to sort of overcome this expectation that they're going to start falling by the wayside and they haven't done so. Um, they actually signed uh, Mike Conley to another two years because they realized how absolutely important he was to that team as a throwaway piece in that trade, which was wild. And now he's just such an awesome point guard for them. But uh, that, that also actually has been the surprising thing about Conley has also been his individual defensive rating. Like he's always been, been good he's never been a liability but he's been like a staunch reason for uh, them to be as good at, uh, around the perimeter these days as they have been he's still being continues to be that pest uh, above the break that they didn't really have I mean when they had Pat Bev that was one of their things and then when he was gone it was sort of the only sort of hole in their defense it was it was the reason that Rudy was getting into foul trouble last year and sort of out of position consistently and now he's just not man um, and, and so now the last thing I would put in here is like when you look at these teams with rest right and at least three days of rest uh, in this case because the only other time they've had like a week of rest obviously was before the season started so it was only one game sample size there but when you talk about at least three days of rest for this team they are four and five uh, to the over they're going under way more frequently I mean slightly more frequently but we're also talking about them going uh, averaging about minus three points three points less uh, than the total is on average when they're in these games and and then for Milwaukee's the same concept they also uh, have gone under a number of times as well Really, it was before, the only other times uh, that they've had three days rest was before Doc got there. So it's not quite as easy to, to gauge for them. Um, but for, for Minnesota, we're talking about an average score of about 211, 212 in those games where they get three plus days of rest. Um, and then on the road as well for Milwaukee, you can bank on them being a little bit worse, at least in the last, uh, you know, 10 games or so, like I was saying, is the, the sample size that I'm using for them um, and how that they, they played on the road. Defense, or excuse me, at home, that's also been pretty low. It's not like it's been crazy. They've been playing slower uh, more slowly and also uh, way worse on offense and way better on defense over those last 10 regardless of which building they're in so I, I just think it's another good opportunity to go under 224 and a half and keep this thing around like 219 220 yeah it, it makes a couple things make me nervous about this I mean number one is is the adjustment period for Doc Rivers to maybe try to fix the offense you know after going three and seven and clearly putting a little too much emphasis and getting back and, and getting stops is like maybe they come out of the break with a little bit of a different style. Also, Dame finding his stroke in the All-Star game and All-Star weekend, which is a weird thing to say because it's usually the it opposite is. with like home run derby. It's like, oh, he blew himself out. Uh, but I mean, maybe maybe that's like, like the confidence boost he needs. Maybe he comes out. And I did look up just now. He His last time he faced Mike Conley, 60 points against the Utah Jazz and Mike Conley. Uh, so he is capable of cooking him uh, individually. I, but for me, yeah, no, I, I will, I will still take the Wolves, the team with the best record against uh, teams with winning records this season, a team that is tailor made to to slow down Giannis, um, and is just lights out defensively at home. So I probably lean a little bit more to the Wolves than than the under here, uh, but I I understand the logic for sure. I'm just a little nervous. 
I feel you. I'm, maybe I can help calm your your fears really quickly by saying you just said Doc Rivers is going to draw up some offense that's going to be helpful. So that was a little bit funny to me. And then we are also talking about Mike Conley on a different team anyway. Uh, you know, I don't know that he's going to be the one guarding Dame in this game. I think that they can put him on a Pat Connaughton, right, and, and, and to that degree, even a, a Malik Beasley and just take away the shooter. Um, and and maybe, maybe he's up there up top, and, and they're still playing a little bit of that switch D on the perimeter anyway with Mike Conley. But um, he has been playing a bit better, and, and I understand that fear. Uh, so either way, I'm not going to you know poo-poo a, a minus four and a half bet. You keep a, a, an under minus five bet here for Minnesota at home against pretty much anybody, man. Uh, and I might jump on it. You know, sands like two or three teams. So let's get into Nate's first two play of props for today. Yeah, I'm going to go with Jimmy Butler for the first pick here. And there is the narrative of him coming off the, the three-game layoff, the extra break for the All-Star break, of course, and then potentially coming back with renewed focus after the family tragedy. But, I mean, really, he just was playing really well for the Heat, his last seven, um, after they had a, a couple bad games with Terry Rozier being integrated, the last seven with Rozier on that offense. Jimmy averaging 24 8 and five and a half assists. That's good for 37 PRA. So I will go over on 31 and a half PRA. You can go 32 and a half and get better odds. Um, it's about minus 120 for the 31. But, you know, Jimmy, a little wily, you never know exactly how he's going to produce. Like some games, he will give you the rebounds and assists, which I don't mind just taking on their own here. Uh, some games, he can fill it up in terms of the scoring. I did notice in his career or even in the last two years, let's say, um, when he gets a little extra rest, he does have a, a spike in usage, a spike in scoring, 24 points per game. We're looking at about his last five against Nola. He's averaged 25 a game, five and a half rebounds, six assists with a 139 offensive rating. He'd have won all five. He shot 62%. He's gotten nine free throws a game, and he's plus 58. So if you want to correlate this, if you want to build a, a same game parlay with Jimmy going like 20 and five or, or 25 and five or something like that. Not a bad play in my opinion. I mean, the Pelicans are a yo-yo team. They won last night. Of course they can come back and just completely baffle people and be like, how do they look so bad after crushing Houston? And that's possible. I mean, they are exactly that. They are 500 on back-to-backs. They allow 113, which is more than they do on any other rest situation. They also allow more assists and more points when playing Eastern Conference teams for what that's worth. And they allow 121 in losses versus 106 in wins. So if you do think they're going to lose and the Heat are going to take advantage of this rest advantage here, especially Jimmy, the extra rest advantage, you know, there's some correlation there to say he's going to lead the way. Um, and and that that his, his all-around production is a little more unlocked with a guy like Rozier handling the ball off the bench. Um, or wherever he you know fits into that lineup for them. Second pick for me, I will go with the Rook, Brandon Pajemski, who has become a quick fan favorite, uh, fa- friend of the show here. I know Josh will approve of this one because it's the Warriors on a back-to-back, and therefore the young guns are going to get more minutes. We targeted him last time this happened, right before the break with, uh, against Utah, and he went for 13-6-8 and eight in 34 minutes. I'm just going to do the points and rebounds here at 18 and a half over on that. Uh, I mean, he is coming off a game where he only had one assist against the Lakers. I think that's more just matchup based. He is diming up pretty well. He's definitely fit into that kind of playmaking role, which the Warriors have needed with Chris Paul out for so extended of a period. But really, I mean, if we follow the minutes here, he's already been playing 32 minutes a game since being inserted into the starting lineup. Clay on a back-to-back, he did play a lot against Utah. 
uh, which was kind of surprising. But I mean, hosting Charlotte here, Charlotte's been hot. Like, I don't think the Warriors are going to completely sleep on them, but they are 14 point favorites here. Wouldn't be surprised if Clay plays a few fewer minutes. Uh, maybe even Steph does. Uh, and and e- either way, I mean, Pajemski is starting and playing nearly nearly 36. And per 36, he averages 13.5 points and eight rebounds. He's an outstanding rebounder for a guard, for a rookie. Um, you know, look at his last 10 here being in the starting lineup, 12.4 rebound chances at a 60% rebound chance rate. And he's, and he's getting seven and a half boards on that opportunity. He's also scoring 13 a game on 18% usage. The, the last five at home, you know, three of them have been against the LA teams. Again, that tough matchup with the Lakers just because of their size and physicality and the Clippers who are just one of the best uh, well-coached teams out there. Also the Suns are very well coached defensively. So I, I mean, yeah, on the, on the back to back 11 points, six rebounds, that is more than he gets on normal rest. And that's over the course of the season, that's 26 minutes per game. So again, we project maybe eight more minutes than that, which is what he played last time. This situation hit 34 minutes, got you 19 points, rebounds. Exactly. Uh, looking for a little bit more of a favorable result here than that. You know, maybe maybe clearing it a little easier against a Hornets team that don't forget they are hot for the Hornets. They've won four straight, but they had to win in Utah at slight elevation here. Fly over to Golden State. This is a home home for the Warriors after, you know, Steph carried them against the Lakers. We see Steph carry them one night then take a bit of a step back and, and, and then more of a team based approach the next night. So I expect Pajemski to come out there and score against a, a, a Hornets team that is also very young and, and starting a bunch of inexperienced guys, a bunch of rookies, especially at the guard and the wing, giving up rebounds down there. Uh, so that's why I am going with this one. Toss it back to Josh. All right, and I have two player props of my own here for you. First one I'm looking at is Brooke Lopez going over 16.5 points and rebounds for Brooke. Got to go back to the big man when he plays against other big men when they need him to rebound, so I like getting the boards in there. It's 5.5 if you want to take an over on that. It's plus 120 as I'm recording this here pretty early, getting ahead of this slate on Thursday night uh, for Friday here. So I would take the rebounds if you want to put a sprinkle on there because you get such good juice, but as far as the points and rebounds go, I like to put both of them together, make sure I'm not missing out on whatever he chooses to do a bit more of in this one. Uh, the the, uh, the last 10 games has gone over eight times, and it's important to me because that is indi- indicative of the the, uh, the teams that he's playing, and they're similar to this Minnesota team that they're going to be playing here on Friday. In fact, one of those games in the last 10 was against Minnesota, went over this number in that one. The other the other teams he was playing here, we've got Cleveland twice, the Pellies, Denver, Portland, and then Minnesota, like I said, and Memphis is in there as well, including Charlotte. He went over versus all these teams, had to get in there for the minutes that he was playing, uh, big minutes in those as well, about 28 per game in that time frame. A few more uh, in, in the earlier games of this this run here with the, uh, the 10 games that he's got so the the rebound chances for him as well is something that he's going to continue to have when he's got big men playing around him 9.2 in the last 10 good enough for 6.2 boards and then the field goal attempts was 11 a game so and really more important than that is the six and a half three pointers that he's taking in that time because he needs to pull guys like rudy gobert away from the basket something that we always come back to so if the the three-point chances are going to be there as they have been historically when he takes on rudy and as i mentioned all these teams that he's been playing recently with the big men that's when we look to go ahead and take brooke lopez minnesota just to be clear in their last seven is actually allowing the 11th most rebounds per game 
two opposing centers, still pretty good against in limiting points. Um, but the points are down to about 11 and a half for Brook, normally at about 12 or 13 at times for his points prop. So we can go over that where we add the rebounds as well for 16 and a half. And the last guy I want to talk about real quick is Gigi Jackson on Memphis. I don't have props up for him just yet as I am getting ahead of these uh, numbers and lines a little bit as much as I can. So it is a lean that I think is going to be around 15 and a half, maybe 16 and a half points. We might even, that might even be a little bit high depending on how the books treat this. It's difficult for them to project what's going to happen with a guy like Gigi Jackson on a team like the Memphis Grizzlies because of the fact that they're just throwing random dudes out there at points right at this point in the season. Uh, and they don't, they have so many injuries that to guys that it's like, are they injured? Are they uh, not really sure? So it can be difficult for the books to go ahead and cap exactly how Gigi Jackson or anybody really on this Memphis Grizzlies team is going to do. I think we can take advantage of that. And if it is at 15 and a half, I think that usage will continue to be there for him as it has been really over the last 10, where he's averaging 16 and a half a game in the last five, up to about 21 and a half per game, including five boards, looking at about 27 minutes per game. I don't know how you keep this dude off the floor moving forward. Like he should be getting more than that, honestly. And when he's on the floor, 15 field goal attempts in 27 minutes per game, that's a ton, right? Especially for a bench player. Seven of those are coming from deep where he's been incredible in the corner three uh, and three and a half free throw attempts per game would like that a bit more, but a few of those games, he had at least six free throw attempts in those games as well. But like I said, if he's not uh, driving to the, to the basket, probably because he'd get in that corner three with a pretty good look for Memphis. Who's always trying to find guys in that space. So uh, the Clippers as interestingly enough, allowing the ninth most points per game to small forwards over their last seven, I would consider Gigi more of a small forward, even though he's about six, nine, really big, versatile dude uh, who can't shoot. Like I said, from the corner where that shot profile really sort of tends to insinuate that he is a small forward uh, and would should be the dude that's hitting those corner threes. Like I said, against the Clippers who have actually been in the bottom half defending that shot in their last five. So I think there's a good chance here for Gigi to get at least 16 points in this one. And that is all the time that we have for you in this one. Continue to follow along. We did those best bets together in one video. So that one is a little bit more normal. We'll be back uh, together here in a few weeks. I'm off next week. Nate will be back. Probably have some Mo Noir in there for some picks for you guys as well. So continue to follow along. And until we see you next, happy betting.